Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Good. Huh. I got to think about following after that for a second. So bear with me. Imagine if God were just a God of justice. Yeah? Or wrath. Mm. But one of the passages that Bev took a piece out of, we're going to be looking in depth at today, and there's a piece in there that we're going to really dive into, and that's this idea that God is love. His very nature is love. And so everything else, he is a God of righteousness. He is a God of justice. There is wrath, but it all pours out of love. This Advent season, we've been talking about the different we lost We got me for good. This Advent, we've been talking about a lot of the, the words that we talk about during Advent and what they mean. We talked about hope and what godly hope looks like. We talked about joy and what godly joy looks like. And today, we're going to stay in that same line and we're going to talk about love and talk about what godly love looks like. Love is a, in our culture, is kind of like that drawer in the kitchen or in the workshop where we throw everything in there that doesn't have another spot. You know? I'll just put it in that drawer. I don't, eh, you know? We use it in, in very sweeping ways. I love pizza, and I love exercise, and I love music. And many of those things are good and can be an outpouring of the type of love we're going to talk about today. But this is a little different. So these are the things that we're going to look at today. We're talking about Advent. We're talking about Jesus coming. And in Jesus coming, I would say that love has been made visible. Through Jesus, we have a better depth of understanding of what love is. The definition, love, has been defined. And in the coming of Jesus, in the coming of love to the world, in the extension of that love into our hearts, into our lives, love can be made perfect and love can expand across the globe. Our text for today is, from 1 John 4, 7 through 21. So if you want to open up to that, we'll have it on the screen. There's a lot in here. So I want you to really think, look, and absorb what we're going to talk about here in this text. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 
This is how God shows his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your love. Lord, I pray that even today that we would come to a better understanding of how to embody your love in and how and through how we live. God, I pray that you would be with me, that you would be clearing my mind, calming my spirit. Lord, be with us as we listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 14 verses. The word love is used 26 times. 26, that's almost two per verse on average for those of you math folk out there like me. But something that also stuck out to me, and I think this stuck out to me because we're just coming out of the James series. We're talking about living as Christians and what that looks like is that the word live is used seven times. And I would argue that if you assume that to fear is a wrong way of living and you add that to the tally, it's mentioned 11 times living. So there's two major points in this, I think. There's the point of what is love and how do we live love? 
And we'll start with the first, which is one of the points that I mentioned at the front end. How do we define love? What is love? Well, as Bev mentioned and as I repeated in verse 8 and verse 16, God is love. I guess that's it. We can all go home now. Thanks for coming. That is, in fact, it. But I think that it's hard to comprehend what that means. So that's what we're going to dive into. God's very nature is the definition of love. And everything that he has done and everything that he is doing is an outpouring of that nature. So as we define love, we should always, always look to Scripture and specifically look at the nature of God, which is written throughout Scripture. I've had the honor of meeting with Bob Snow a little this fall, and we've been talking about the nature of God. We've been talking about his desire for his people. And I would encourage you that as you read Scripture, as you do Bible studies, as you listen to sermons or talks or chats, try to identify these marks of God's nature, because we do know one thing that one thing's for sure that we're talking about today, and at the core of that nature is love. But it doesn't look like what we might think of love as. It can be very different. In verse 7, it says, love is from God. Well, I think of things that are from other people's. My wife probably bought me a gift for Christmas. Maybe I'm being presumptuous, but it could be. Uh, and she will give me a gift. That gift is from her. But that's not the way that love is from God. It's a little bit different. It's kind of like the sun in that, like, he embodies it, everything about it. And so we get light. Light is from the sun. And we receive that light. And we celebrate in that light. But it has a source. Or like heat is from fire. It comes from and leads to God. So only in knowing God can we learn to truly love, and only in practicing and embodying this love can we draw near and get to know God. That's weird, right? It's coming from him, but to experiencing it, we have to express it. We have to live it. We have to embody it. Verse 16 says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. And in verse 12, it says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So as I'm talking about this abiding in God, this understanding of embodying love, we need to understand that the nearest that we can be to God is in this love in dwelling in love is to dwell in God. Once again, we have somebody speaking in a church using a word a lot that hasn't been defined. So we're going to define this a little bit for you today. We're going to break it down. Well, Aaron, you've said we got to love. Okay, that's clear. And you said that to know God is to to know love, to to know love is to know God. What's that mean? What does that mean for me? 
And I think that as we look at Christ, as we look at Advent and Christmas, and we focus on what it really means, we receive a few truths that we can hold on to about what love is. And the first of those is love, God's love, holds nothing back. God's love holds nothing back. He sacrificed what was most precious for love's sake. This is radically different from how we typically love. If someone does, on, on Thursday, I got to go over to Donna and Harold's. Harold's sleeping. I'll go down and knock him a little bit. Donna, give him a nudge. Perfect. Harold, wake up. I'm talking, man. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. I went over to Donna and Harold's and Donna made dumplings. It was delightful. I got to share in that with her. But often how we experience love is people do things for us, right? Maybe I smile at you in church and you're like, oh, I like that guy. Maybe I love that guy, you know? Or Donna makes me dumplings and I go, man, I love her. She feeds me, right? There's conditions typically to our love. That's not the nature of the love we're talking about today, and it's not the embodiment of love that we're to embody as Christians. In verse 10, it says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not that we loved God. Don't get it turned around. Don't get it turned around. This is not, we, we, we cannot make love about our human definition of love. Love is God, and that is it. Love was given, and we're to receive and give out of the outpouring of what is given. But our understanding of love, we, 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 we do not define it. God defines it. Don't make human love the beginning of love. It is defined by God sending Jesus, and it begins with God's nature. So that's point one. Hold nothing back. Love radically. And the second piece is that God's love is totally undeserving. Totally undeserving. Paul says in, in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Paul goes on in Romans 5.10. For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more have we been reconciled uh, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We were and are totally undeserving of this love, and yet God loves anyway. We talk about this a lot in church, this, this sacrificial, undeserved love but to really know God, we need to bask ourselves completely in the wonder of this totally undeserved gift. And so as we're moving into this week, one of my encouragements is 
to receive, to bask in and really try to wrap our minds around, which we can't do fully, but to wrap our minds around how incredibly undeserving we are, but what an incredible, incredible gift Jesus is, was, and continues to be to us. God is love. To be transformed into this likeness of Christ, this likeness of God, in, uh, in 17 it says, in this world we are like Jesus. To be transformed into this, we need to become a living embodiment of love itself. Like most people, I tend to try and solve issues, right? That's a pretty common thing. We try to solve issues. And in and of itself, that's not a bad thing. I think it's important that we're intentional to get together, to fellowship, to pray, and to be active in our faith. What I'm about to say does not eliminate that, but I think that it's important that we hear it. The longer we believe that our strategies... Our structures, our programs to move heaven and earth, the more and more powerless we leave ourselves, leaning far too heavily on our own intellect and not heavily enough on the Spirit of God transforming us from the inside out. The longer we believe that our strategies, our structures, our programs are going to move heaven and earth, the more and more powerless we leave ourselves, leaning far too heavily into our own intellects, our own understanding, and not heavily enough on the Spirit of God transforming us and others from the inside out. The most radical, transforming thing that we've been given as a precious gift to give back is love, unconditional, holding nothing back, undeserving. How are we doing? How are we doing? <laughs> I skipped the, se- the middle part and went to the end part, I think. That's okay. We'll come back. All right. That's what you get when you're dyslexic and you have a bunch of words on paper. All right, so the second thing I want to talk about, forget that we went kind of the end, we're coming back to the second thing, is that Jesus coming to earth has made love visible. Another text that, was, that Bev shared and is in my uh, sermon for today is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The sending of Jesus is the greatest manifestation of the love of God. The chief manifestation of this love is he sends his precious son to be the wrath bearer, to be the wrath remover, and to bring his love to us. And this manifestation points back to those same two defining marks that we talked about earlier. Love holds nothing back. He sent his son. And love is to- God's love is totally undeserving. Jesus came to die for sinners, for enemies. In John 17, 26, Jesus ends a prayer for all believers like this. 
I have made you known to them, you being God, the Father, and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This visible love given to us in Jesus is now alive in us and we need to embody that to others. So how do we, and I've touched on this already accidentally, how do we live lives of love so that God's love can be made complete and expand from us to those around us? In 1 John 3, 14 through 17, it says this, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know that what love is. This is how we see the definition. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them. How can they love God? Or how can the love of God be in that person? Sorry. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. God's act of sending Jesus was not simply, and take that lightly, to bring salvation. Take that lightly. <laughs> God's act was not simply to bring salvation, but also to establish us to live in love. By this living, God's love is visibly working in and through us. Not that we are merely imitating something. Again, this isn't about us, right? We have a tendency to make things about us, and we see throughout Scripture God going, it's not about you. It's not about you. With Gideon and the soldiers, and Gideon's like, ah, I don't think 200's enough. And he's like, you're right, you need fewer, because that way you cannot make an excuse, this is about me and not about you. Not that we merely imitate this love or try to produce something of our own strength, intellect, ability, but to see the nature of God and to see the nature of Jesus and to take that love in like the sunlight and be completely transformed so we can then be a living embodiment of love itself. I, uh, I love biblical ethics because to me, it's pretty simple. Become what you are. I am a child of God. I am an image bearer of God. And we are to become like God. And to become like God, we need to embody a love that is holding nothing back and is giving beyond any deserving or merit. The question I want to pose as we 
leave today as we're coming into Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the celebration of salvation, of love coming down. When people in this community look at New Hope, look at this community inside here, do they see love that can only be accounted for by virtue of supernatural work of God? Mm. When people look at New Hope, at this community from the outside, do they see a love that can only be accounted for by virtue of supernatural work of God? Amen. We've got work to do. Amen. Right? Mm-hmm. I think we can all agree, say amen to that. We got work to do. Amen. 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 Let's go and love extraordinarily this Christmas season.